there. Welcome to The Good Complex. I'm Hillary Kennedy. Thanks so much for joining us. And if you haven't been here before, The Good Complex is all about highlighting the good that's being done in the world and the people who are making it happen. You know, there's a lot of things going on in our world right now that can be very divisive. But one thing we can all get behind is the greater good, making the world a better place. And that's why today's conversation is going to be such a great one, because something I hear a lot is people say, I wish we had better leadership in government or in our school system or at church, or I wish my boss was a better leader. You hear that a lot, and it's because leadership is so incredibly important. So today's guest is going to walk us through leadership, how we can have better presence, how we can have better perspectives, because she is the expert on all of those things. Her name is Valerie Sokolowski, and Valerie, I'm excited to have you here because you've written eight books, you have a podcast called Doing It Right, and you have coached and trained and spoken to CEOs of the major corporations that shape our culture uh, with people in every line of work. And I can't believe that you've carved out a little bit of time to talk to me today. So thank you for being here. Oh, I wouldn't miss this. I wouldn't miss this. It's a joy to be with you, Hillary. Well, you've had an incredible career. And like I mentioned, you've worked with people from all walks of life at the, the highest of highs. But I want to start at the very beginning about where you're from and how you got to Texas. <laughs> how I got to Texas. I should have <laughs> come a long time ago. I got to Texas because of my IBM husband. I've been moved, so we did. And the last time we were in New York and we had a chance to go somewhere, wherever, and I said, Dallas, Texas. And he said, we're on. And oh, we came that. about, oh, 1977. All right. And so you've been the here minute well. we landed here, Hillary, everything about Dallas and Texas was like, we're not leaving. So we didn't. <laughs> and you grew up close by, though, right? No, I actually grew up in California. Oh, that's right. Till I was 11. And then we moved to Oklahoma, Oklahoma. City, close. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and the reason I loved Dallas is because I used to come to Dallas and when I was in high school, my mother was a sportswear buyer. And so she got an opportunity for me to model. It was called modeling. You just put on the clothes and stood there while the buyers <laughs> walked through. And so I started doing that every year. And those three years in high school were just, they just stuck with me. And I always loved Dallas. Well, good. Well, Dallas is lucky to have you because you have really helped shape so many of the people that run amazing companies here and all over the country. But I want to know how you got into leadership training. That's such a specific career. Well, it was, first of all, partly just kind of God's leading. I started in broadcasting and had a career in Oklahoma City. When I married Doug, we started moving around the country. And so what could I do? Well, besides raising my three children, we moved about every two years. There wasn't a lot I could do in my career. But once in a while, I would do something in a company. I would give a speaking engagement, a keynote. I'd talk about what now is called presence. Back then, I said professionalism, professionalism in the workplace. Everyone still wants to know about that and certainly did then. And so that kind of got me back into working with companies. So when we landed in Dallas, I thought, oh, it's first of all, probably too late for me, Hillary. I did think that, I did. And I had to kind of push up my mojo to even think about getting back in business. But the kids were old enough where they were on their own doing things. They were in high school and junior high. 
And so I thought, well, what can I do? Well, I can go back to speaking at companies. So I began the tour of being a keynote speaker, and that got me into the companies that hired me to do that. And then they said, well, can you do training programs on leadership? And yes, I certainly can. And I've always said, yes, I certainly can and figure it out. (laughs) So that led to then... Uh, And can you work with our people one-on-one? Well, that was before there was any kind of executive coaching or coaching, period. There wasn't even an industry. And so then I said, well, certainly I can. So those companies would then send someone to my office in Dallas, and I would work like this, one-on-one with people, and it became an industry called coaching. So you were really a pioneer in executive (laughs) coaching. Mm -hmm. Where did you get the courage to decide, I am going to pursue this, especially if you felt like maybe my time has passed? The minute I stepped on back into the workplace and started doing things, I thought, (laughs) okay, this is... It feels good. Yeah. I just um, have always had a passion for helping people be the best they can be. I know that sounds so trite, but you know the statistics today are that only 50% of people who work bring their whole self to work. Only 50%. Most people put on what they think they should ought to be And so, as you know, the podcast, which is an extension of my leadership firm, is all about authenticity. That's so important. If you're not real, I I don't, you know, who's got time for people that are fake? But 50% of people statistically think they need to show up in a certain way. And then they get in the habit of being somebody they think the boss needs them, wants them to be. And that probably is erroneous, but perception is their reality. Mm -hmm. And so these people get frustrated because they can't just bring their strengths and and tout their strengths and hang on to their values. So authenticity is very important, I think, in leadership at all levels. I totally agree. It's been interesting to watch as media and social media has changed over the past couple of years, the people who are truly authentic stand out and they usually have a a really significant following because people are just drawn to it. It's so magnetic when you meet someone who's kind of what you see is what you get. Um, So tell me a little bit more about why that's so important. And I know you have some examples because you've worked with really famous groups like the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders. (laughs) You're going to go I'm sure a lot of people <laughs> would be interested because, I mean, talk about presence. Okay. You know, it's a group that's known all over the world. So it's interesting when you've worked with groups like that and seen firsthand not only why that's so important, but helped them sort of tweak that. Oh, Hillary, that was one of the most fun things I did. So, yes, they would bring me in once a year. When the new recruits and the cheerleaders that had been, they'd all get together for a retreat. Uh, and so I would spend a day with them doing what I do in companies, which is teaching them about presence. And, and what's presence? You know, it's how you look. It's how you act. It's how you walk. It's how you talk. It's who you are from the inside out. So it's the whole package. I always say, Hillary, the brand, your brand is the you. That's the who you are in your depth, the real you. And then presence is how you show up. So how you show up, because these, as you know, are the ambassadors for our country. They go all over the world. 
and they sit and dine with kings and presidents and what have you. So here would these cheerleaders would come in and they'd be in their shorts and no makeup and they were still cute and pretty. And of course, my husband, Doug, always wanted to come to the dinner, so I'd let him do that. I'm sure it was for research. For research. So they would come for a day, and I would work with them on their communication, on their stance, on their posture, on their um, just showing up professionally. And they loved it. And, And I think that's the thing that keeps me so excited. There isn't anyone that doesn't want to know more about, oh, I want to know about this and how do you eat right and how do you talk right and how do you... So the book Doing It Right or Do It Right was a great title. Mm-hmm. It served me well. So we would spend that day together and then they would have, uh, with me facilitating it, they would have a fine dining experience with all the tools of the table and wine and all the questions about wine and it was just such fun. And it's the same program I'm doing in companies. So, you know, I just call it the legacy program. I think that's so neat because especially with a group like the uh, the cheerleaders, they're all the same, but they're all unique. So, you know, they're all they're all cheerleaders, but each one of them has a different look, a different personality. And I love that you were kind of teaching them to hone in on what makes you unique. You can still fit within these parameters. This is what you are. This is your profession or this is the group that you're a part of. But also, what makes you stand out in that group? And, you know, uh, you're absolutely right. I'll never forget, Hillary, one uh, woman came up to me and she said, you know, I am a cheerleader, and I love it, but it is helping me financially do what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a physician. Mm. And so one thing that is a misperception, sometimes the press actually would do what they could to kind of tease the cheerleaders and, and sometimes make fun and say things like, is your hair really blonde? Or why did you have to wear those false eyelashes? And kind of mean things. Mm -hmm. That was part of what we talked about. How do you handle those questions? But what I want people to know is these women, these cheerleaders, were not bimbos. No, they were not. They were intelligent women that happened to be beautiful. Right. <laughs> and that dance ability. I've seen I've seen yes. the reality show where they have to try out. It looks grueling. And that takes a lot of courage yep. to put yourself out there like that and, and enter a competition or go into a, a work situation where you're being judged or taking a high-pressure job. That takes courage to do those things. And I think that's why what you teach is so interesting because – Courage is something that I feel like is lacking in a lot of areas, or maybe we don't see as many examples as we used to. So how can you take some of those leadership skills and translate them into success today? What are some things that maybe you would would recommend? What are ways to kind of cultivate some leadership in your own life? (laughs) Well, I would say, number one, show up as you really are. Bring your strengths to the table. you mentioned the word courage, and Hillary, that's so true. We need people who will stand up to um, to what isn't right. We need people who will not be afraid of sharing their values, and part of their values may be their faith. And what do we hide? We 
this whole concept of uh, imposter syndrome, I wonder if that isn't maybe part of why that's being talked about. You know, mm -hmm. like, oh, uh, here's an example. If they, oh dear, if they find out I really don't know, what will they think? Or, oh my, what if I don't have all the answers and I'm supposed to? So, number one, I would say be real. Mm -hmm. If you don't have the answers, say, you know what? I appreciate that question. And while I don't have the answer right now, I'm going to go find out and I'll get back to you. Always say I'll get back to you. <laughs> right. That's Well, that's so smart because you can really respect someone's honesty. And it's relatable because we don't always have the answer. I have a three-year-old that asks me questions all the time that I have no idea what the answer is. And I've started telling him, Mommy doesn't know. And he'll say, why? And I'll say, because Mommy doesn't know everything. <laughs> Rather than try and make him believe I know. Because it is, it's, you know, it's, we always respect honesty and truth so much more than if someone's trying to fabricate something and make yeah. it up. Because we can, we can smell that inauthenticity a mile away. Mm -hmm. So I want to talk to you a little bit about understanding different points of view and how we respect someone else's perspective. Because I know if you are a leader in whatever avenue um, you find yourself, you have to be open to other perspectives. You have to be open to other opinions, beliefs, all those things in order to be a great leader. So what are some ways that we can, can do that? Because this day and age, it is tough out there if you have an opposing viewpoint or um, maybe you encounter someone's view that you absolutely disagree with. We're so quick to unfollow or want to mute or shut out someone who's different than we are. How do we navigate that today? Well, first of all, it's always the word with grace. Mm. <laughs> with grace. You know, I hear stories a lot, Hillary, about as a leader, let's say that someone on, uh, let's say it's me, and someone on my team just, as you said, has such a different perspective. Well, that person is someone I have to work with. And we work with people, not over people, hopefully. So what can I do to, to work gracefully <laughs> with everybody on the team? Listen, if everybody were like me, that'd be really boring. So you want diversity on the team. You want different perspectives. The number one thing is to be open. Be open to other people's perspectives, even when you know they're going to be maybe divisive or totally against your perspective. But a good leader listens. And when I say listens, I'm going to say the word again, listens. It's so interesting, Hillary. Every time I do a program on leadership, the boss will say to me, and cover listening skills. And I used to think, well, what is there to listening skills? You listen. Right. No, that's not true. So listening deeply, like you and I are, we're listening to each other. If we weren't, we wouldn't know how to keep on the conversation. And if I am so into my own perspective as a leader, I just tend to tune out. And that's not good leadership. So being open, really open to that perspective. And if you're not agreeing with it, the good question, the golden question is, tell me more. Everybody write that down. Mm -hmm. Tell me more. 
and keep asking good open-ended questions to hear where they're coming from not just what they're saying sometimes the greatest listening is listening to what isn't being said the words behind the words there's a great um, workshop kind of a, a thing to do sometimes as facilitators you get in a room and you're trying to come up with let's say a strategy or uh, an idea and ask the word why at least five times so i'm saying you know what what's your why should we be doing this hillary and you give me an answer and i say and why and why and why and pretty soon the last answer to the why gets down to maybe the core of what that person is really coming from, where that person is coming from. And it may not be just that quick answer. So listening. That's a great reminder, especially as we scroll social media, because there's so often you see someone's social media post, it could be a close friend even, and something about it just irritates you to the core, whether it's their perspective on something political or religious or just a perspective that you're like, well, this is just completely wrong. And it, you find that it irritates you or it upsets you, but you're so right that why? why? First of all, why am I letting it bother me? But also, why do they feel that way? What is it in their life that gave them that perspective? What is it that they like about this opinion or this stance or whatever it is? And a lot of times we don't even think to ask any of those questions. We just immediately form an opinion about them. And it could be someone that outside of social media, we love dearly. Mm-hmm. And I've found that in the past couple of years, that's been really tough. Is It's so easy to want to just silence someone or block them out because they say or do something we don't like or we we just disagree with their perspective and don't take any time to find out why. True. You know, social media has has been good in a lot of ways, Mm -hmm. and it's been awful in a lot of ways. The good is your voice is out there to a lot of people, but what you say in your voice can really be damaging to other people. How many times do we hear stories of people that have been bullied online? Mm -hmm. That's just unacceptable. And guess what? It's easy to hit a button and the person being bullied has no clue who you are. What's going on with the person of who you are when you hit that button? Right. So it's usually not about the person being bullied. That's the good and the the bad of social media the good is it gives you a voice to keep giving a voice of reason it's not always about your opinion is it the world didn't get it it isn't all about you is it (laughs) (laughs) tell that to social media people (laughs) well let me ask you this because when you're in a leadership position oftentimes i think that there's this perception that you always have to be right and sometimes being right is at the expense of a lot of things sometimes and and your thought is it's not about you being right it's about doing it right getting it right tell me about that That, I love what you just said you you just nailed it (laughs) (laughs) in fact I just did a little social media blog it's it's not about 
being right. Uh, exactly what mm-hmm. you said. How did you know that? I follow you on social media. <laughs> <laughs> Good. It's not about being right. It's about doing it right. You're never going to be right all the time. You know what? The leader who will step up and be vulnerable is someone people want to follow. I'll never forget years ago, one of the first uh, people that a company sent to me for that one-on-one I told you about was a very strong uh, bull-in-a-china closet kind of a female leader who felt like she had to be almost manly to get her voice heard. Now, this is some time ago. I won't say how long. And she was... um, She was giving her voice, (laughs) but not in a way that people would listen because it was nothing about except her opinion. Mm -hmm. And it was tell, tell, tell. So leaders shouldn't be tell, tell, telling. They should be share, share, showing, and ask, ask, asking. Uh, I got off a little bit on that, but. No, I love that. I want to know, too, you know, I think a lot of us feel more like a follower than a leader, but I think everyone can be a leader in something in their life. What sort of advice would you give to someone who maybe wants to have a little more courage and step out and be a leader in some area of their life, but they're just not sure, maybe they don't feel like they have the confidence Mm. to do it or to, to lead other people? Most people lack confidence at some point and sometimes often. Let's just start there. In fact, there was a survey that um, was asked senior leaders, and to the person, they all said, oh, you know, no, I don't have all the answers. So if you've got a thought and an opinion and you feel it's important, I think it goes back to how important an opinion do you feel it is. In other words, if you really have something to say, even introverts... You don't have to have a loud voice. You don't have to brash it out. In fact, sometimes the quiet person who simply sits there until they have an opinion that they feel needs to be voiced and simply waits until it's the appropriate time and then sometimes body language when we were in a meeting, leaning forward or the voice raising a little bit and just saying, I'd like to share a perspective on that. As simple as that. And the minute those words come out of that person's mouth, the confidence starts going. So that's a little trick that I that's found so helpful. Tr- that's very true. I think it's it's sometimes much more powerful to have someone who's normally very quiet say, I have something to say. Because a lot of times when people are so loud and you hear their opinion nonstop, even if they're you know a great leader, you start to tune them out a little bit after a while because they're always the, the loud, boisterous one. But when it's somebody that only speaks up when they have something truly of value to say, boy, you, you sure do listen. So let's talk about improving our personal and professional relationships. Do you have any tips for that? Because I think we could all use some of those. <laughs> that is an ocean question. It's I true. love it. Can we <laughs> land on an island? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Good communication, you know, you've talked about being a good listener, so that's obviously wildly important. 
what other sort of ways can we communicate better in our relationships and, and just be a better leader, maybe in our own families? Mm-hmm. I need these tips. That's <laughs> step one, step two, step three, Hillary. <laughs> Some of the things that uh, friends and family and clients have shared that they've done, I'll just start it that way, is taking the time to have the time to be quiet and talk. Oh, <laughs> mm-hmm. where did the dinner table conversation go? There isn't much anymore, is there? So setting aside a time and a place just to talk to each other. I will say as an example to my husband, and, and we've been gratefully married for a long time, but sometimes we will both kind of say one to one to another at different times, you know what, let's just go out to dinner tonight. Because you're at home and working at home now. You're work, work, work. I'm in one office, he's in the other. And that's kind of like, well, yeah, let's do that, right? Giving yourself the time and space to get away and just talk. Kind of renew conversation. Absolutely. I worked for a a company. You made me, reminded me of a company I worked for. The CEO would sometimes just randomly pull people out of their office and say, hey, come in my office and let's have a chat. Now, your initial first thought was, oh, gosh, I'm about to get fired. (laughs) But he would do that just to check in with people. He wanted to know what's on your radar. He was looking for good ideas. He just valued some one-on-one conversation. And it made you feel so important Mm -hmm. that he would take the time to just have a one-on-one conversation because he could have done that in an email. He could have done that in a text message. Mm -hmm. He could have done that over Microsoft Teams, but he didn't. He came directly to you and had that conversation. And I always thought, what a great leader because he went from the highest person in the office to the lowest person in the office as far as the positions went. And it didn't matter who you were, what you did. He took time, you know, five, 10 minutes to talk to you occasionally. And it was just great. That's called building a relationship. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you something else that's kind of cool to do with your your loved one, whether it's your child or uh, your spouse, and that is to have a moment regularly and just um, make it a habit to say, okay, as an example, I do this, we do this at night. Not always, but this is my suggestion. Okay, three things you were grateful for today. Just three. Three's a good number. I don't know why, Hillary, but you'll hear speakers say, I have three points to make, Mm -hmm. right? So three things you're grateful for today at the end of the day. And that just kind of is a really nice end of the day thought. Plus, there's something, we all know this, there's something about when we're grateful for things it pushes out what we don't have, what we want to have and isn't happening. Mm-hmm. Let's focus on what's going. As DeWitt Jones says, I had this wonderful photojournalist for the National Geographic on my podcast, Doing It Right. And his whole message is look for what's right in the world. Now, that's a commonality, isn't it? We can all do that. Yes. And that's not... No, that's not being Pollyanna. That's being what we need to be right now when there's so much going on that's negative. Mm -hmm. Anything we can do to help one another stay up, morale, encouragement, 
support, a smile. It's amazing. With the masks on, I would go past people and no one, you could tell the eyes, no one was smiling. And all of a sudden the masks are off. And now you go by people and you might at least get a eye contact. It was funny with the masks on, people didn't even look at each other. Which is it was like robots. It was crazy. It's so true. A smile goes such a long way. <laughs> and I think that is that's a simple way we can be a leader every day by smiling at someone that we see while we're out, by making conversation to brighten someone's day giving someone a compliment. Those little things go a long way. And it's it's funny too, especially when you get a compliment from a stranger that you weren't expecting, that stays with you the whole day. It's it it's fascinating how that just can instantly lift your mood. So I feel like that's one thing you've given me a new goal to be a leader, especially. I'm going to make that my mission this month <laughs> is to do that for one person a day and sort of be a leader in that area. Because once someone does it to you and gives you that compliment, it makes you want to give someone else a compliment and pay it forward. And that's easy. It doesn't cost anything. Super simple. So you mentioned your podcast. Tell me about that. Why did you start it? Oh, Hillary, what a blessing. Well, it it I didn't just start it. It just happened. And, and I want to make a point there because you're a good example. Our relationship just happened. It, so sometimes blessings come and when they're when you know it and you recognize that you appreciate those things so you and I met and you encouraged me to get back back into broadcasting and that little seed Hillary was in my mind for years and I really never verbalized it well okay so how did it happen I happened to meet Jeff Crilly who was an anchor in Dallas for many years. And he began, uh, he started a PR company that now is extremely successful. And I met him when he had just started. And we had coffee and simple as that. Uh, He was in broadcasting, I'd been in broadcasting. We met, we had coffee. And he said, well, why don't you get back into it and do a podcast? And I said, what's that? (laughs) (laughs) And, so he said, well, I'm, I'm going to be building out some podcast studios and you need to, you need to have a podcast. And I just said, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then I thought, hmm, well, what will I talk about? And what will I name it? And my daughter said, let's see, mom. Okay, let's talk about this. She said, what do you do? And I said, what do you mean? She says, well, all right, you've been in business for a long time. What do you do for people? And I started doing the elevator pitch. Mm-hmm. No, 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 Mom. What do you do? Well, about five whys down, uh, Mom, don't you help people do it right? That's the name of one of your books, right? I said, oh, yeah. <laughs> perfect, perfect name for so it. So call it doing it right. Bingo. Well, what's that going to be? All right. It's, I'm real. So, you know, the, the me that was in my company all these years and is has to be the me on camera. So what, what's my passion? Building leaders who are real people and authentic and keep their values and don't ever compromise their integrity. Only have those kind of leaders on the show. And when I say leaders, you are so right. It's not a title, Hillary. 
I have people, I, I had Howdy Homemade Ice Cream, uh, Tom Landis, the wonderful man that started that, an ice cream store with uh, hiring young people who um, were autistic and, and that sort of thing. He was on the show. It can be, it, so leadership, to your point, is not a title. So that was my passion. I began doing that now four years ago. And it's been fascinating because guests who are on the show then recommend other people because they know the show is about, let's just talk to the audience about, first of all, you're successful, congratulations. Here's what you're doing, congratulations. Now let's talk about you. How did you become successful? Mm -hmm. And how did you, and here's the point, how did you keep that integrity going? How did you not compromise? I mean, people at the top sometimes compromised a whole lot. Well, those aren't on the show. So 130-some people now have shared those stories. And that's hopeful. Mm -hmm. And that just tells people, yes, you can show up with your presence and your values, and you can make it work if you'll just not try to be one of those 50 percenters who aren't authentic. So in your own career, how have you maintained your values and your integrity? Because especially working in media and in broadcasting, that's a tough business. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times you, you are either told to or you feel like you have to present a certain version of yourself and you have to hide certain things about yourself. How have you managed to mm. hold on to your integrity and your values and be completely authentic to who you are? I wasn't always. Um, those times early on, Hillary, that I tried to be someone I wasn't or, yes, compromised, I couldn't, this is the truth, I couldn't live with myself. There was that, it's called cognitive dissonance, mm -hmm. where your gut hurts. A and, it, and it started eating on me. And I realized, Valerie, don't, don't push for success in ways that, yes, a lot of people got there for this reason, that, but that's not you. So to answer your question, it's really very simple. I couldn't live with myself. And the reason is because I had values that were instilled in me and a faith that was instilled in me by a wonderful grandmother who raised me. And um, when you have strong values and you go against them, you, you don't feel real good. Mm -hmm. You lose your appetite. <laughs> and I just woke up one day early on and said, uh-uh, not worth it to me. If I'm never successful, not worth it, not worth it. I think it's great that you're helping other people who are sometimes leading massive companies, worldwide companies. You're teaching them to say, stick to, stick to who you really are. Because if you're going to lead people and you want people to follow you and believe in you and trust you, because mm -hmm. I feel like so much of that goes back to trust, too. If, if we get even one tiny glimpse that someone isn't who they really say they are, it really shapes how you trust people and oh, who, who you'll follow. And, and haven't you had situations, though, another perspective, where you have trusted someone and you've been totally fooled? 
It happens, Hillary. Absolutely. It does. It definitely does a number on you when you put all of your trust in, in someone or something and you find out that it was all a lie. Some people are very good. Mm-hmm. It's true. <laughs> it's very true. There's a lot of Dateline specials I've seen about that very thing. Right. <laughs> but it comes up. You know, what goes around comes around, usually. Well, so what are some things that you've learned from your guests? Because like you mentioned, you've had guests that are from all walks of life. I mean, you've had people who've completed 10 Ironmans and you've had people that have had successful startups. I mean, they just, they run the gamut. So what are some, some lessons that you've learned from some of your successful guests? Oh my gosh. Do we have another hour? (laughs) Is there any, is there one that really stands out in your mind? Let's see. There are so many, it's hard to select one. Well, recently you mentioned the Iron Man. I will share that story, then I'll think of another one for you. Uh, recently, I had a man named Tom Halsey on the show. And at 61, he was diagnosed with prostate cancer. And he had been doing Iron Man type things, working up to that. And here this happened. And it devastated him. He was preparing to do an Ironman and all ready to go. And this hit him. Went through the operation. And I've forgotten how many months after that. But certainly (laughs) soon enough, I wouldn't have started even running for heaven's (laughs) sakes. But there he was. And um, he ran an Ironman, finished it. And I'll be darned if he also wasn't also diagnosed with heart disease. Well, that's the whole story that you have to watch the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) The cliffhanger. It's actually running now, number 129, I think, for those who will go back and watch it. The long story short is that man finished with all that in his physical body going on 11 Ironmen, 11 and six mountain men, which is like Ironman, only in winter. Oh, my goodness. All the winter sports. He was on the show and is the kindest, genteel person. I expected this kind of a guy yeah. to come on. A determined, wrote a book um, and about his story, you can see it on I Want People to Watch the Podcast. They've got to yeah. do that. And But what I learned from him is a lot of leaders say never give up. Okay, never give up. But man, for him to never give up. So I asked him, I will share this one thing. I said, didn't you ever almost give up? And he said, all the time. Now, Mm -hmm. Hillary, that hit me. How many times have we started to do something and either gave up or almost gave up? And those times we almost gave up but didn't, just like he said, he pictured the end goal. He could be, he said, sometimes it was like, I I can't. And he just completely changed his mindset, the power of the mind. And it became, I won't give up. I won't give up. I won't give up. Isn't that a great message for all of us? 
Absolutely. Especially when the chips are down and they have been for a lot of people over the last couple of years or a lot of businesses. Mm -hmm. The people who persisted, who changed course but never gave up, their stories are so inspiring. Mm -hmm. And even when something maybe didn't work out or something failed, but they still didn't give up and they tried something else, those are the stories that just make you go, well, gosh, if they can do it, I can do it. You know, yes. I was just yesterday writing, uh, I write a monthly newsletter, and I want, I can't, we can't ignore Ukraine. Mm -hmm. And I thought, what can I possibly write? I want, I, I don't ever want to write downer newsletters. Right. <laughs> and I found a story about an 11-year-old boy who walks, I suppose walked most of the way, I don't know, maybe got a ride in Ukraine. His mother gave him uh, a little plastic bag of a few goodies and a phone number she wrote on his hand for of his aunt when he got to her of 600 miles away and said, son, go. I can't take you because I can't leave your grandmother, my mother. She, yeah. she, can't, she can't leave. I've got to stay here with the family. But you go. And I thought, oh, it gives me chills as I, as I tell you about it. This just happened yesterday. And so that's the story. I'm sure it's on the Internet about this 11-year-old boy and the picture of him just beaming when he got to mm. his aunt. What courage. Away. You talk about courage, heroism. That is, what a leader for his family. That's the point, isn't it? That yeah. is amazing. Mm. Well, so before we close out, what would you say are some signs that we are doing it right? <laughs> <laughs> you are one of them because I've watched you through your career and Hillary and I'll say this on the air for your listeners you are an example you really are a role model of everything I've talked about today you continue to do it right you're one of the kindest most giving women I've ever known uh, authentically and that's why you're so successful so here's twenty dollars. Thank you for the <laughs> I give it the back. shameless plug. I give it no, back. I I know I love that. I, I love that's so kind of you to say. And I, I love that that's what you're looking for in people and cultivating in people is be authentic, be kind, be a listener, have empathy. Those are all such great qualities. And I, I sometimes don't think we even realize those are leadership qualities. Absolutely. That is a way we can lead in our in the smallest of circles within our own family, within our own neighborhood, at our job, in our, you know, clubs, church, whatever. Um, I love that you're helping bring that out in people and reminding us these are simple tools. <laughs> Pretty simple. But they're things we have to practice and we can't give up. So if people want to know more about you, Valerie, where where can they go? What can they read? What can they watch? The easiest thing is my website, ValerieAndCompany.com. It's all there. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today and reminding us that we can do it right. We've just got to make up our minds to do it right. So thank you. Well, thank you so much for joining us today for The Good Complex. You definitely did something right. And we would love for you to like, subscribe, leave us comments, let us know things that you would like to see on the show because we love to hear from you. So thank you again for watching. Get out there and make it good.